BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app Draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring over your home league over to underdogfantasy.com. You get $25 upon sign-up, so you can take a free shot at a million-dollar grand prize for their fantasy football tournament. Again, you get $25 free in bonus cash when you use the code 5RSN to sign up. It has never been easier to take a shot at a million-dollar prize in their best ball mania tournament. Go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store, use the promo code 5RSN, and get $25 in bonus cash. Sign up today. U-Break Wheel Fix is a wheel repair and remanufacturing company with over 20 years of experience. They specialize in complete wheel repair, repairing wheels from curb rash, bends, and cracks. They also specialize in refinishing from polishing, machining, and custom colors that will suit your car's needs. Lastly, U-Brake Wheel Fix offers a full array of factory and custom wheel and tire applications. Contact them at 305-748-0112. That's 305-748-0112 or at U-Brake Wheel Fix on all social platforms. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States. For more than 60 years, 
combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24-7, walk in, call in, click in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. We have a full cast, and as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN to get 20% off your entire order. All right, Simon, I'm going to start with you. Tua Valoa had four touchdowns, a 109.5 passer rating. Okay. Do you know how many? And he had 80% completions. Do you know how many times that's been accomplished in the history of the NFL? Twice. Uh, 44 times, actually. Okay. Damn. You know how many guys have lost with those stats? Uh, 43. Three guys. You want to take a, a wild stab at the three players in NFL history. We obviously know one, which is Tua Tungvaloa, that have lost a game with those stats. The three uh, players. So, obviously, you got to pick two more players. Johnny Weissmuller and Tracy Ullman. <laughs> I mean, how the no. fuck would I know? <laughs> could be fucking well, here's one, the of thing. Them, one of them. One of them was Matt Ryan. Yes. The other was Matt Ryan. And the other one was Dan Marino. That's why I asked, because it was one of those things where, you know, there was a lot of symmetry to what happened on Sunday. November 26, 1995, Dan Marino was 23 of 36 for 254, four touchdowns, and a 110 passer rating. He lost 36 to 28 to the Colts. Let's start there. Uh, how how good or bad was our boy, Simon? Um, I thought he – yeah, I mean <laughs> – it's, there's this really, uh, we're entering to this phase of really weird sort of pseudo reality where the team is terrible. And so the only thing that really counts is how he plays. Every mistake is blown up massively. Every throw is blown up massively. Every completion is blown up massively to the point where it feels like we're almost losing grip of reality. It's like every single mm. thing is, is, overanalyzed to the nth degree was this a good throw does he have a good arm what happened here whose fault was this why was the route happened here can he oh my god oh my god he hugged dan marino before the game like everything is just it's like analysis by paralysis you know i i thought he played i thought he played well i thought he played you know i I mean I think I probably have a slightly different opinion to maybe to both of you, definitely to Chris, only because I've seen Chris tweet about it. I didn't like the second pick. I just thought you just need to eat that. You know, I know that, you know, uh, I, I took what OJ McDuffie said in conversation with Chris um, and, and kind of, you know, because OJ played the game, played the position, understood what was going on. Um and I probably put a little bit of stock in OJ in terms of just what his his opinion was of the play, which I'm trying to find. But um, but essentially, he said that that the pass shouldn't have been thrown. That Tua 
was escaping to his right and to Waddle's left, therefore receiver scramble rules are to mirror the quarterback, which is what Waddle was doing. First and 10, Tua should have eaten that and teed it up again. And, and part of that is trying not to be Superman, which was something that Nick Saban had told him, you know, coming off the, the national championship defeat to, to, to Clemson, don't try and be Superman. You don't have to be Superman on every play. Um, the Smythe one, you know, initially watching it, I thought it was a it was a risky throw, especially with Jalen Warder running underneath with a with a flat footed, squared up linebacker. Um, you know, he might not have gotten to the sticks, but you know, we may have also lived to see another down. Wasn't a great route by Durham Smythe, uh, which certainly didn't help him. And you know, it was it looked like he was running the you know, the longest bend of a 400 metres you've ever seen. It's just like, turn those hips, man, for God's sake. Um, but generally, I thought he played well. Um, you know, one of these days he's going to have to, you know, we're still, we're, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure we're any close to knowing whether he's the solution to the question. But also I feel like the question moves every week. Like, you know, the, the question is slightly different every week because some, he, he then fulfills a, a portion of the question that's been asked the previous week. And then people want to ask a slightly different question. Uh, something I also talked about on with Mina Kimes and um, and um, Mike, um, I can't think, Mike, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus, the only Pro Football Focus person I actually like um, today, was that the red zonification of how people analyse games is really interesting to me. Um, you know, I've got no more respect than the... Uh, or no higher respect for anybody that works in the media than I do for Peter King. But Peter King... If you read his column today, uh, he talks about another shaky performance from Tua. And I know how Peter watches games. He watches Red Zone. Uh, he has another number of games on, but he would have been watching playoff games. So he probably would have been watching KC, T- Tennessee, probably Baltimore, Cincinnati. He wouldn't have been watching Miami, Atlanta in full. He would have seen it on Red Zone. And what you tend to find when teams are out of the playoff race is that you either see touchdowns or bad throws slash picks. So he would have seen those two Tua picks, and that's how you often build up a picture, especially of players who play in key positions for whom you don't see it every week because their team is really bad. Um, and I think there's a really interesting analysis. And it goes back to something, Alf, that you've talked about privately with us, with a, yeah. um, with a certain journalist who turned up to camp um, and admitted to a Miami beat writer that he'd only seen two a play in the national championship game and was just essentially just making it up as he as he went along. That's that's not verbatim, obviously, but that's mm. a little bit unfair to this person. But well, we all know who we all know we all know what we're talking about here. Um, so yeah, overall, I thought he played. I, I thought he played really well. I thought it was arguably his best game. I still Arizona. I still thought he, he was really good. One of these days, he's going to have to win one of these games. You know I, what I really wanted to see happen was that, you know, Atlanta kicked a field goal and we had a minute 30 left on the clock. You know, because you change the narrative completely if you can drive down the field and either set up a, a field goal or drive down for a touchdown. And he does that. He carries that team on his back and he wins that game. The national narrative, therefore, begins to change. There are certainly signs of progress. And I think, as I tweeted this morning, when Gil Brandt tweeted, you know, I would not be traded to a for Houston's quarterback, which I thought was very interesting that Gil Brandt couldn't even say his name. Um... I think that more and more it's becoming he is the he is the answer to the question, whatever the movable question is. Um, whether he gets the time, I don't know. I mean, I had a friend of mine message me today, a Patriots fan, who said I went watch Miami's game this morning, and that was clearly two as best game that I've seen him play. Um, 
So you, you look, the signs are there. It's growth 13 games in. It's the sort of growth that you want to see. You've got to cut the stupid mistakes out. It's got to cut those. Doesn't have to try and be Superman. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he played well. You know, I thought he was the one of the shining, the rare shining lights that this team still possesses. Yeah, I was I was also really, really impressed. He took a safety out. I don't know how he did it because he took him out basically with his ribs, but absorbed that hit and then went on for six more yards to get a first down. He was making plays with his legs. Oh, yeah. no, the Eagles have claimed Reed Sinner. Uh, that's awful news. And awful news for Jalen Hurts because he'll lose his job there. <laughs> Chris, your thoughts. You had, you had a lot of thoughts on this. You even uh, had OJ McDuffie explain something from his point of view. Uh, what did you see in this game? What did you think of his performance? And what does it mean going forward? Well, I, I've only just found out that uh, that OJ McDuffie even tweeted at me because I haven't been paying mm-hmm. attention to Twitter in like a couple of hours. <laughs> so uh, so I, hadn't, I had no idea that uh, anything even happened there. Um no, I thought this was the best game that he's played in the Dolphins uniform. I don't think that's a very that's a big stretch either. I mean, that's if you if you look at if you look and go ahead and start reviewing it and you start seeing some of the back view and some of the um, the front view and you you start really um, getting into it. Not only was I mean his accuracy was just I'm just not used to this. Like he went 40 passes and only two of them didn't hit the receiver in the hands out of 40. I mean, that that's unbelievable. And the two were the interceptions. And and mm-hmm. on one of the interceptions, I think Durham Smythe, you know, clearly didn't really run the route that Tua had in mind, um, you know, for for whoever's fault that is. I mean, I, I certainly think that uh, Tua was reading the cover, too, and it just makes the most sense if uh, if, if Smythe was supposed to uh, to flatten it out and – and that's what Tua seemed to think as well, and uh, and and that didn't happen. Um, and then the Jalen Waddle play, and and I just I just saw, you know OJ's uh, OJ's rebuttal, and you know with with all due respect to OJ, I mean the the fact of the matter is though that that Waddle's staring right at him. I mean he's mm-hmm. we're talking about like Tua like he's going to keep scrambling. Like he's going to keep scrambling, and that and the wide receiver is taught to mirror, and that's 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 great. That is absolutely true, but but Tool wasn't keeping scrambling. He was literally being hammered right at that moment. Like he was he was being destroyed by linemen, um, and and I think that Waddle had a you know a straight on view of it, and I, I just think it was a brain fart on Waddle's part. I think if you ask Waddle about it, he'd he'd be like, you know, yeah, I wish I'd, I I wish I hadn't zigged you know, um, like that. And I think that that's, that's really what happened. I mean, some miscommunication, he was Tua was fighting for his life and, uh, and threw it to exactly where Waddle was. And then like, he lets go of the ball and Waddle gets out of dodge. I don't know what else to call that. So, um, you know, that's, I think that, uh, on those two plays, even, even though those were the two, you know, quote unquote mess ups of the game. Um, yes, he did mess up by being too aggressive, uh, he thought that he had to make every play. You can hardly blame him. They're they're trying to trade him away and uh, and get Deshaun Watson in his place. And he thinks that his career is on the line, so he thinks that he has to make every single play out there. He probably should have given up on the Durham Smythe play. If um, you know, I think he did see. I think he did see that Smythe wasn't quite running it the way he expected, and I think he tried to make it happen anyway. 
and that was a mistake on his part. I think that uh, obviously he tried to make that first down play happen uh, to Waddle, even though he was being hammered, and um, and and that ended up being a mistake because of the miscommunication. So it was it was it took a certain amount of risk on both plays, but this is risk and reward. This isn't like one of those plays that you're just like, what were you even thinking? Like that was a total brain fart or that was so, you know, that was stupid when I, or that was a bad throw or, you know, all these, all these reasons that a quarterback can throw an interception or, or, um, or not see the field and make a mistake. And God, God only knows how many quarterbacks we've taken a look at over the last two decades, Simon coming out of college, but you're always looking at when they make mistakes, why do they make mistakes? And what was the, what was the problem? What's the pattern? What's the, um, you know, do you understand the mistakes or do you not understand the mistakes? Are they just like completely, you know, screwing up and, and have a tendency to have total brain farts or are they, you know, you can see what he was trying to, to do right there and it was reasonable, but you know, maybe it's an unreasonable result or maybe the, not, the throw wasn't quite there or something like that. I thought in these last two games, we've seen three interceptions. All of them were perfectly understandable. You know, the last one in, against the Jaguars was, uh, was one that he just didn't have the right throw for. I mean, it was a, it was a tough touch throw. You have to get it up and down and uh, layer it into in between the zones and he didn't get enough air on it, and it got picked off by the underneath dude. Um, that happens. Uh, it's just, again evaluating these quarterbacks. I also yep. felt that on that play, uh, the Jaguar interception, that he felt that the corner, which the corner probably should have, rolled up at around seven, and the corner rolled up at ten, mm-hmm. and he got like you can see that there was a hesitation, like. Holy shit! I got this throw right here, but wait, 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 wait! Why is that guy there? And he threw it anyway. And sure enough, the guy because remember, it, mm-hmm. you know, the guy did have to go up a little bit to get it. He did. So, I mean, but that's that's typical on that. That's typical in that underneath that robber position, where where you you. I mean, this is quarterbacks have to have to be able to show the touch to get it up and down. I mean, that's that's what they're that's what they're trying to do when they're layering into those those zones. He botched it. I mean, that was that was and end result there this game uh more miscommunication with the receivers than anything else otherwise so you're looking at it you're like well the ball went where he wanted it to go like 40 out of 40 times which is just insane mm-hmm. um i mean it hit the wide receiver's hands or was completed or you know um or there was a miscommunication where he was probably on the right side of it in my opinion you know, 40, 40 out of 40 times. It's, it's really the only, the biggest, the, the clearest mistake of the game was just a sack. You know, mm-hmm. when, uh, when a blitzer came in on a sack, uh, a blitzer came in um, a little bit on a delay from the outside and, and kind of stunted over and he didn't see it. And, uh, and he should have gone hot. And there was a hot receiver right behind that replaced right behind the blitzer. And he just didn't see it. And he took the sack. And, um, and that was, you know, that's a, a very discreet, very clear mistake on his part. Uh, I don't think the interceptions are even necessarily discreet, clear mistakes like that, like that one was. Um, so I think that he was, he came out here overall, it makes me wonder about something. It makes, because we talk about how awful it is that the dolphins have allowed this Deshaun Watson stuff to linger out there in the media and allowed others to really control the narrative. Mm. And they have, um, and the dolphins have not done a good job of trying to control it themselves. And, uh, it, it, you wonder sometimes if Brian Flores is using it as a motivation tactic 
And when I look at last week and this week being probably the two best games that I've ever seen Tua Tungvalu play in a Dolphins uniform, um, you know, with all due respect to the Cardinals game last year, it was a good game. But I think overall, uh, these are the two best games that I've seen him play. You'll be damned if you're wondering if it worked. You know, like, uh, like, like, yeah, maybe Brian Flores is being really unfair and he's given two of these massive distractions. And um, and they even talked about it during the game. Charlie Fry is, you know, he's, he's feeling for Tua. He even modified his weekly, you know, their their weekly um, process to, to try and keep his head in the game and keep him away from these distractions. And you can clearly see that everybody right right up to Dan Marino, giving them the big the big old hug and like, you know, pep talk and stuff like that before the game. You know, clearly they're all feeling for Tua being in this unfortunate situation, this weird situation that he's in. But you're also like didn't it work because <laughs> he just played his best game. He just played it, but he, he had, he completed 80% and threw four touchdowns in a, a nearly 300 yard game. And he was accurate on pretty much a hundred percent. And yeah, it's really? like, that's, that's what Brian Flores, you know, may be trying to do. And you're wondering, is he a mad genius or just an asshole? <laughs> you know, like, maybe both, <laughs> maybe both. I don't know. Maybe both. I'm gonna give you a stat, okay? And this one's courtesy of Valley Boy Sports, and I and I checked it out because he compiled it. But I checked it out; it checks out, okay? Tua has thrown three second half interceptions this year. His numbers after the three second half interceptions: twenty-one of twenty-four, two hundred and forty-six yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a one forty-eight point nine six passer rating. The three incompletions, three drops. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's about it. And he's been – I mean, that that fits into the whole fourth quarter thing. He does well in the first quarter. This is like, what, the third time that he scored on the opening drive of the game this yes. year? And he's mm-hmm. had like three games or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and so – Well, to be fair, yeah, he did I, get the ball first against Buffalo and did not. So let's no, call it right, three right. That's true. That's true. So, he's so three, three out of four. Three yeah. for four on scoring in the first drive of the game, which gets you ahead on the scoreboard. So that's this is complimentary football. Getting an early starting starting out fast, getting a score on the scoreboard and putting the other team behind. This is part of complimentary football. And then in the fourth quarter, um, he's been absolutely, you know, insane. And then very mediocre in between. <laughs> in between these those those two. So um, that's just, yeah. There's a just there's a graph. The there's a graph going around of of efficiency, and it shows like Tua with Zach Wilson in the second quarter, and then the same graph moves to the fourth quarter, and he's hugging uh, um, Aaron Rodgers and Josh mm-hmm. Allen. It's it's ridiculous. It's 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 impossible how one guy becomes one thing and then the other. Now, obviously, this has to be a Tua heavy show so we're going to continue on this uh simon what did you make of dan marino and company and stephen ross and i don't know who else was in that box but hooping and hollering after that touchdown to put them ahead did did you get the sense that this is a franchise that's ready to move on from from tua or maybe there's just a faction that's been pushing this deshaun watson thing and that Tua might still be here going forward can, can i be completely honest and say i made absolutely nothing of it 
I mean, I, I don't think there was anything other than joy that a team that was has been pretty shocking all season was actually now leading and come from behind. I read nothing into it, and you know, Marino hugging to her. I mean, uh, who cares? I mean, for me, I don't care. Yeah, to me, it has no relevance to whether or not he's going to be here in the future because. You know, on the one hand, he could be giving him a hug at the same time. He could be stabbing him in the back. We know that the Dolphins have been talking about Deshaun Watson. So quite frankly, the hug and the hooping and the horroring means absolutely nothing. I mean, it means nothing. You know, it, Marino could have been hugging him going, good luck in your final game here in Miami, mate. You know, it's, <laughs> you know. It's it's yeah. too late to be speculating whether the Dolphins are actually interested in Deshaun yes. Watson. Yes, yeah. that ship sailed too a long time ago. Far too late. That ship sailed a long time. Yeah. What do you make and of all the all the flowers and bouquets that Brian Flores gave the, the Tua this morning? What's, but what's he going to say? I I, what, 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 I don't understand what people. He could have harped he, on the interceptions. We could have done, but he, but you know, I, I just don't see the point. Also, let's be completely honest. And if we are being completely honest, we know that they're also in a situation where they're probably trying to raise the trade value of the quarterback who wears number one. I mean, that's yep. just the way it is. That's what they're trying. There's absolutely no point knowing full well that Brian Flores knows that the team are engaged in trade conversation. But look, they are. Whatever people think, uh, you know, we know people that want to go around, close my eyes, shut my ears off. Unfortunately, people, the Dolphins are engaged, whether you like it or not, in conversations about trading for Deshaun Watson. And that would mean trading to her. There is no point in the head coach coming out and trashing the quarterback when they're trying to get a decent trade value, whether that's from Washington, Denver, New Orleans, Minnesota, whoever else it is. If he comes out and says, oh God, two more terrible picks. You know, that just plays up to the narrative. That just makes people think, oh, knock him down from a third rounder to a fourth rounder. You know, because when you sit in a negotiating table, around a negotiating table with Chris Greer and you're going, yeah, but Chris, Brian just went to that press conference and just said two was trash. So, you know, you can't sit here and say he's worth a first-round pick when your your own head coach has just been trashing it. So, you know, the, there are games within games within games, and you know, to me, that's what's going on. But I, I frankly, I couldn't care less about whether or not Dan Marino hugs Tua. Uh, it's of no relevance to me or of, to anything to do with what happens in the future. And Chris, what do you make of all the all these polls, uh, including one that we ran on our Twitter account? where it seems like Dolphin fans don't want Deshaun Watson. They don't want this trade to happen, and they want Tua to remain the quarterback. And we're not talking about polls with small sample sizes. Ours only had 5,500 respondents, and it was 72% in favor of not trading for Watson. But the Palm Beach Post has run a weekly one that gets 10,000 respondents, and that one's at 71% don't want Watson. Yeah, I think it's it's significant, isn't it? It has to be, right? The question is, do they not want... What if Watson didn't have the the sexual cases against him? Yeah, but if 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 you're if as you as you say if your if your aunt had balls, no, for sure, for sure. But the point the point has to be that as we know from the OnlyFans chat, there are an awful lot of people who are have said that they would refuse to go to games. Because, or they refuse to buy jerseys, or they give up support. You know, we know people that said they give up supporting the Dolphins if yeah. they trade for the. A Shorts. lot of them, a lot of yeah. them have said that. So, so the point surely has to be not about football. The, re- the reason people are saying that is not in support of Tua. It seems to me that it's in it, mm. it's a, a, an attack against 
a trade for somebody who feels like he's just a sexual predator. That to me feels like that's playing into those decisions way more than it is support necessarily of Tua. And you know, I, just... I think it's both though. I think to be to be fair, because I mean, there is a there is a a, a market pattern going on out there of Dolphins fans being um, broadly and you know very significantly uh, defensive about Tua, and we've seen it. We see it. You know, everywhere you can't turn around without seeing. We're part of it, and we're part of it. I mean, so so I mean, I think I think you look at that, and you have to say it it, it is both. It is it is a team, but shouldn't they be? I mean, because there's this is this is theater of the absurd. We're we're talking. I mean, I had somebody on Twitter actually say this, and because I was talking about how quickly it seems like people are giving up on Tua Tagovailoa, and and the person on Twitter was like, you know, listen, uh, I'll give you an example. Daniel Jones is like eight and twenty two as a starter. Uh, he's in his third year up in New York, um, and you know, not not great not great stats or anything like that uh, to, to, to boast for it. And obviously not a great uh, winning record. This is what I would be expecting to see um, from the fans and from the media and such. If Tua were in that position, right. But the fact of the matter is that Tua had been, you know, has been, um, has played a third of the amount of uh, time that Daniel Jones has has won and has been more efficient. I mean, he basically notches all three. And, uh, and and yet we're we're treating him like he's like he's Ryan Tannehill in his fifth year or something like that. And um and I think that that's it is absurd. It is really absurd. I mean, I I realize that we can make judgments about quarterbacks a little bit early nowadays, right? I mean, I gave up on Josh Rosen after his first year in Arizona. But it was also like one of the worst years that a rookie had ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, that's not what's been happening here. So you look at it and we've seen, a, I said this before, we've seen a lot of weird, crazy stuff as Dolphins fans in the last, you know, 20 years or so. Um, this is one of the weirdest. This, this like the give up, the give up on Tua in his, uh, essentially he's played about 12 games. And and having done what he's done in those in, in that twelve games worth of time, uh, it's remarkable to me. And and so if fans are defensive broadly and significantly so about him, um, that's why because this is absurd. This is it, the absurdity matches the defensiveness. And I think that uh, I think that we see in the polls that when three out of four people are like no, just saying no. To, uh, to Deshaun Watson, that has to be significant to the Dolphins in particular because of what you just said, Simon, that this is probably has to do with the off-field stuff. Because, you know what, if, if people were saying no because they thought the football thing, part of it doesn't make sense, then the Dolphins can tackle that, right? They, they trade for the guy and now begins the process of showing everybody why you were all fucking stupid. Right. Like, like they, <laughs> yeah. they get to say, they get to say, you know, get, march them out there. They get to win games. They get to, you know, begin that process of, of winning that trust and that popular opinion back. That's not why they're saying no here. They're saying no, because they think he's a sexual predator. 
So how do they begin the long process of trying to convince everybody that he's not a sexual predator? Like go a year without some, without a new, a fresh set of five or six accusations coming out. I mean, I guess, um, you know, it, it's, hard. it's hard. It's not, you, you can't tackle that directly. Right. So, so they have to pay attention to that. It, it shows you what the reaction is going to be if they go ahead and do this. Yeah. And here's another thing. If you told me last year that two was going to play all 16 games, although now we have 17. So the extrapolation is a little bit different, but if you told me he was going to play all 16 games, and he was going to throw for 3,800 yards with 29 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. I would have told you he won rookie of the year, right? Obviously, he, did not, he would have not won rookie of the year because there was another quarterback that played a little bit better. There was another significantly <laughs> good quarterback. That has, okay. Yeah. But if I told you that, would you, uh, um, you would have ran out into the street and said, oh, my God, we hit. It's bingo, right? Well, guess what? That's what he's on pace for. For 16 games. And we're and it's not like, okay, we're extrapolating after three games. No, we're doing this after 12. So it's a pretty good chance he's going to hit those benchmarks of the 29 touchdowns and the 14 interceptions for 16 games. I'm sorry. That's a very good quarterback bordering on a star. A prospect. He's still a prospect. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's hyperbole to say he's a star or bordering on a star. He's yeah, he's, he's, he's prospecting like a star. Like he's tracking like a he's future star. He's trending upwards, definitely. He's trending yeah, upwards. He's trending like a future star. Yeah. He's not one yet. He played no. like one in this game. I really believe that. I mean, I, what I saw out there fit right in with what I've seen from Drew Brees in his heyday or something like that. Like it was, it, w- it was there. Just to show but, the rest of the team so shit. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love, I love how... Um, and, you know, okay, that, those are the stats, right? Xavier Howard comes out. Uh, they put his stats out. He gave up one catch for 28 yards, and he had one interception. So, obviously, he was great, right? Yeah, the problem was the 28-yarder that he gave up was a play that his defensive staff actually snuffed out or sniffed out what the Falcons were going to do, and they put Xavier Howard on Kyle Pitts, and Kyle Pitts caught it anyway. <laughs> so, I don't think, think he was great at all. Actually, and I don't think he's been great for a while. I don't think uh, I agree with you. And I, I thought the in, I thought the touchdown, the long touchdown over Javon Holland. He just ran alongside the receiver, and he had the opportunity to close as the ball came in towards the goal line, and just sort of ran alongside, made no effort to close in on the ball at all. He knew Holland was beaten. I and Javon, a, Javon did say it was a miscommunication between. Them. Yeah, but it just like. You're there, Xavier, stride for stride with the receiver, three yards away. Just, just move towards the receiver. You, you, you've made a career of looking back and tracking balls in the air. It just was such an odd thing to do. He never once made any move towards the ball. It was as if he was just like, it was as if he's the referee and he was just running alongside to make sure it was a clean catch. It was so weird. It was so weird. I mean, I love his brand of physical play. I mean, on, on any other day, he could have got called three or four times for PI. But... Yeah. Yeah, that that was that play really annoyed me. It was just like, dude, make a play on the ball. This you're the best in the league at exactly that. Looking back for the ball, tracking it in the air, and making spectacular picks, and you just didn't bother. It was so weird, so weird. All right, let's let's uh, let's close here with a couple of things. Uh, Tua just posted on Instagram, by the way. Uh, he, he posts uh, head down, keep going. The first guy to respond to him is Mike Kosecki, and he responds with just keep going. 
it's great that they played Kyle Pitts, I think, um, Simon, and I'll tell you why. I don't think that the choice was between Chase and, and Waddle because had they taken Jamar Chase, everybody would have said, well, how are you passing on Kyle Pitts for Jamar Chase? when a lot of people think that Devonta Smith is as good as Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase. So Kyle Pitts, I think, was the choice. You cannot essentially pass on Kyle Pitts and then not sign your own Pro Bowl tight end in Mike Gusecki. Like, this shouldn't even be a question, right? They have to extend him. Uh, yeah, 100%. I'd have been amazed, actually, if they'd have taken Pitts over receiver, knowing now. I mean, you just look back at the, look at the makeup of that receiver group. If it's not for Jalen Waddell, you know, Preston Williams dropped all three passes thrown at his. And uh, the one, the third on one, him. the third one he dropped and he just started laughing. He's like, dude, fucking care a little bit. Yeah. You know? Parker, yeah, I'm out. I'm out on Preston Williams. I don't care if, I mean, if you get Williams, anything, a seventh Parker, round pick, I'm in on that. Williams, Parker, Fuller. I mean, they just never, they just don't play. They just don't play. You know, Wilson yeah. is done, doesn't play. I mean, there were times yesterday where our receiver group was Waddle, Shaheen, Gasicki and Smythe or Salman Ahmed was more of an option. Or Isaiah Ford. Or Isaiah Fallens. The Waddle conundrum to me is fascinating because Miami obviously had a chance to pick any of those skill position players. They traded out, they traded back up. They were essentially backing themselves to be a success this season, which has failed spectacularly. So now Philadelphia are now sack holding the second overall pick, which should have been ours. Look, Waddle's been very solid and Pretty much the only bright spot, maybe on the tip. I mean, Gasicki's played well. Yeah, um, right. played well, but maybe, well, I mean, on the defense, there's some guys too. Yeah, yeah. Chase, who obviously they could have had if they stayed where they were, has the most receiving yards of any wide receiver, not a rookie wide receiver, but any wide receiver in NFL history in the first seven yeah. weeks of the season. And Carpets, who they also could have had has the most receiving yards of any rookie tight end in NFL history. Waddle, for her solid, for as solid as he has been, is averaging, I think, 8.7 yards a catch. Chase is averaging 21.5 yards a catch. And <laughs> Pitt's, Pitt's 15.2. I mean, Chase had nine yeah, catches. Jamar Chase is an alien, uh, Simon. Nine he catches had a for yards yesterday or something. I mean, even when Miami get it right, they kind of get it wrong. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's like, yeah. this is... The, Waddle's a good player. He's clearly a good player. He's being used wrongly, as we've d- d- discussed. But the two guys they could have had, maybe should have had, are absolutely blowing the. You know, Chase is going to win Rookie of the Year. It's probably going to be all, Chase and Cooper Cup are probably going to be the All Pro receivers. I mean, nobody. Jerry Rice, Art Monk, Larry Fitzgerald. Nobody. Julio. Nobody has had the year that he's currently having. Uh, and Pitts. I mean, look at the, look at the way Pitts played yesterday. Look at the way he played in London. He you know, made a one-hand stab over the over Eric Rowe. You know, beat Xavier. And he was just everywhere. He's a monster. He made a. And that, he's just a monster. Doesn't that doesn't that thing though? Like even when they get it right, they still get it kind of wrong. Doesn't that remind you though of like you know taking, um, taking Minka Fitzpatrick over Derwin James and that and being right and yet Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, went went rebellious teenager on them and, and demanded that they trade him out of town, you know, taking Christian Wilkins and he's turned out, he's turned out pretty well. He's doing, he's having a nice year. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yet, you know, but if, if you look, you know, they took him over um, over Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey who, Simmons, yeah. <laughs> you know, who's, who's phenomenal. Who's picking, um, up, who's picking up defensive, uh, who's picking up offensive tackles and throwing them at Josh Allen on fourth and one. Wilkins might have a Pro Bowl alternate type of year, though. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah, he's, sure, having, a, sure. he's having a solid year, but he, uh, he, the, point, he, the point is absolutely right. Um, you know, Waddle's gonna, Waddle looks like he's a really good player. When do they ever take the best guy in the position? That's the thing. Yeah. Like when, like go ahead, go and track it and, and say, ask, you know, when is, when is Chris Greer, when have the dolphins taken the best, the best at a position? I mean, they've had, you know, they have first round picks. You should, you should at some point end up getting the best at a position, right? For, for so long, it goes back to what we talk about in terms of a picking good, good players, but also B, they just seem to pick on like upside do you know what I mean? There are so oh, many yeah. upside picks. And yeah. you just think they're not working. And what, what I find fascinating, Dave Hyde wrote that piece about, about um, West Coast players that they've picked and, uh, and how they've failed so dramatically. What people also forget is that if the Dolphins hadn't, if the 49ers hadn't traded up to get Brandon Ayuk, he was the pick for the Dolphins in the Noah Igbenogane slot, number 30. That was confirmed to me, A, by a Dolphin scout on the night, and then B, followed up and confirmed by a 49ers beat writer. So that it obviously... Arizona State, 60 catches, five touchdowns last year, but it's absolutely fallen off the face of the earth this year. And uh, I mean, the most exciting thing he's done this season was that incredible punt muff last night in the rain against the Colts, which he kicked <laughs> 30 yards back into the end. And 49er fans, by the way, for, for those of you that are that are uh, pining for Kyle Shanahan to find his way down here, everybody says that Kyle Shanahan has, has an imaginary doghouse that he seems to put players in, and Brandon Ayuk has made it onto that doghouse. For whatever reason. And he looked like Lionel Messi last night when he was just like, <laughs> when he half volleyed that ball back into the end zone. It was like, wow, Brandon. But but there, I mean, to the point, uh, today's point, that's another West Coast question mark they would have they would have selected in, in Brandon Ayuk if the 49ers hadn't traded up. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great point, Chris. When do they, when do they? I mean, look, Fitzpatrick, let's, let's be clear. They're both really good players, Fitzpatrick and... Um, and Derwin James, and obviously, oh, I mean, definitely, probably definitely, through, yeah. probably through help. Minka's had the, and uh, and Minka's the All Pro or has been yeah. an All Pro, and and yeah. Derwin's you got the health issues, and yet, but but they took Minka in large part because of the, you know, the the off field, like um, mm. you know, his leadership mentality, his you know, his be, basically being the the coach's pet type, and uh, you know, he's he, he may have been the coach's pet, but he, that doesn't mean he's going to be your coach's pet. And, yeah. um, and, and we saw that and he turned into, I mean, he turned into a, a child basically with, with the way that he was acting in practices uh, and on his way out. And it just shows you I mean, mm-hmm. when, when are they just going to hit the home run and do it and get it right? You know, it's just, it's, it's very, it's very maddening. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. On the way out, uh, Simon Austin Reader, good, huh? To be honest, mate, I, I don't really study offensive line play during the game beyond any massive whiffs, just because I'm I'm a bit of a ball watcher. I tend to go back and watch it on the All Twenty Two. I take your your word that, that he yeah, was I watched good. them I this morning. Solid, good performance, and a miracle that it took this 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 long to find a capable center. I don't it's think Reader gets the job. It's not going to stop me wanting Tyler Lindebaum in the draft, but oh sure, um, yeah. yeah. 
I thought my yeah. I, I thought Dieter uh, was actually quite solid before this, and and I looked at you know I've looked at Austin Ryder. I've been a big fan of him since he was watching him at USF live. Um, I think he was solid, but honestly, I I don't know if it's an answer so much because um, you know I, I was actually pretty intrigued by some of the things that Michael Dieter showed uh, before. Uh, early in the season, I think that when I looked at him in center and at Wisconsin for the one year that he played it, there was a there was, you know, the the carrot of uh, of he might be unique in that he's uniquely lengthy for a center and um, and, and he moves well for that for that length. And uh, and what we saw earlier this year is that started that was kind of playing out. That was that was really um, that was really helping him along. And he was making just so much progress on uh, on the way he uses hands and the way he moved and, and his awareness and stuff. I, I'm kind of more I, I kind of still think the upside might be with Dieter. But um, but I am glad that they got us, you know, a very solid center. But I didn't think Greg I thought Greg Manx was solid, too. So it's, it's sort of like maybe this is the one position on the line where they seem to. I don't know. They seem to know something about what they're doing. They don't know anything about the uh, the rest of the damn line. Okay. And on the way out here, there's kind of breaking news, and it's breaking all over the place. There's been a, a trade. Uh, the Eagles have traded for have uh, traded a quarterback to the Jets, Joe Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> no Everybody's way. saying there's been a big quarterback trade, and the Jets did have they, traded a did pick. They, did for they really? Joe. This is this is. I thought I thought you were shitting me. The Jets traded a pick for Joe Flacco. I thought he was retired. The Eagles How? evidently had him on the team and are able to get a pick out of the As Jets. a coach? I don't know. He's, he no, he's going to play. Zach Wilson's out for four weeks. My God. <laughs> there are people wow. trading draft picks for Joe Flacco mm. in this economy in 2021. In this economy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. There is no more. Uh, when we talk to you again, we will be previewing. Oh my God, they're playing the Buffalo Bills. I pray for Tua, but think about it pray this for way: us. if Tua plays really, really well against Buffalo, mm-hmm. it changes so many narratives. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. they'll have Deshaun Watson here. He won't be on the plane back to to Miami. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> okay, but let's let's hope for the best. It's all we can do as Dolphin fans. That's it. There is no more. Talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.